Luke chapter 15. Those of you, those of you that were here this morning uh, know that I uh, announced the, the, the title of my message tonight. Luke, Luke chapter 15. Hey, Lori, Lori. Hey, if you go, if you go to Genesis and hang a right, it, it, you'll, you'll get there. <clears throat> or if you go to Revelation, you just hang a left. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I have one for you. Yes. It's in my, it's in my, it's what you get for being married 39 years. I mean, I just, you know, yeah. No, not usually. <laughs> oh, anyway, the title, title of my message tonight is we've been, we've been looking at different giants in our lives. Um, the, the, the giant that we're going to be talking about tonight is the facing the giant of family turmoil. Fa- facing the giant of family turmoil. Now, <clears throat> uh, do not raise your hand because you're on camera. No, actually, you're not. I'm the only one that that is. Um, but how many of you have never had turmoil in your family? That's <laughs> Because if you raised your hand, you would be lying. <laughs> every family has turmoil. Uh, every family, the, the, the best of families, uh, has turmoil from time to time. Um, it, is, it is inevitable uh, that it is just part of uh, having a family, I guess you'd say. Uh, I have seen families uh, literally ripped apart uh, because uh, they did not handle the turmoil properly when it came. And one of the ways to handle it properly is to understand that it's coming. Most uh, most families, um, you know, we were actually teasing. Um, uh, some of you know that um, Jenny's grandson and uh, got married what two weeks ago tomorrow two weeks ago tomorrow and uh, was we were talking about about them this morning and and his dad said um, yeah they they actually still like each other <laughs> so uh, you know that's those of us that have been married for a while understand what that means um, there are just days that there's just turmoil and then and then and then you bring little people into the into the uh, equation and that sometimes exasperates exact that's that word yes um, you know because it, it brings with it a whole different set of challenges does it not <clears throat> now I had a relative I won't tell you who it was um, because I'm on the internet, um, but I had a relative that was actually related to my wife, not me, um, who, when he got married, swore up and down that he and his wife would never fight. And they had been married, I don't know, probably 20-ish years or so, and I asked him one time, I said, so have you still not had a fight? And he, he got mad at me. And he's like, no, we have not. And she's over there going... <laughs> yeah, we have we don't fight, we have discussions. Okay. <laughs> so um <laughs> yeah. Um I, I honestly I this one particular when I was preparing this, I, I thought of one particular family that I, I know that uh, there were four siblings in, in the family, and uh, the mom and dad passed away. And there was a huge fight over the estate. And f- from what I understand, it was a quite wealthy estate. 
But by the time all the lawyers got done uh, and the court costs and everything, uh, none of them had anything. Uh, and, and none of them would talk to each other. And, and that, that, that's a horrible, that's a, just an absolute horrible, horrible way to live uh, over something as, as ridiculous as money. <clears throat> but it happens all the time. Uh, uh, fight fights over inheritance. Uh, the number one thing that I deal with as a pastor, uh, it, it, especially within the the realm of families, is uh, misunderstandings. That has got to be the number one biggest obstacle that I that I deal with. Just simple misunderstandings. Uh, <clears throat> another one is pride. Uh, you know, you, 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 it, it's an amazing thing. Oftentimes we react differently to family members than we do perfect strangers. Yeah, you know, we'll dig our feet in with family members where we would not necessarily do that with strangers. And then, then there's always the, uh, just straight up sin where somebody does something really bad. So <clears throat> the family that we are about to read about encompasses all four of those things I just mentioned, inheritance fight, misunderstandings, pride, and just straight up sin. <clears throat> Jesus is uh, getting ready here in uh, uh, Luke chapter 15. He, he's uh, telling us a parable of uh, that paints a real life picture that if if we have not personally experienced this then we at least know of a family that has experienced some of this or all of this uh, this particular story has always been a little uh what's the word um close to my heart uh, I've been a little bit, always been a little bit uh, sensitive to this story because this particular story, uh, a, a version of this story took place in my family. Uh, so it's always been something that has always been a little close to my heart, a little sensitive to, if you would. <clears throat> Let's start reading in verse 11, Luke chapter 15 and verse 11. And he said, this is Jesus speaking, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey uh, into a far country and there wasted his sub, sub, sub substance, <clears throat> thank you, uh, with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in, in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into, the, into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he had come to himself, he said, How many <clears throat> hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare, uh, have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against uh, heaven and before thee. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his uh, father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. 
But the father said to his servant, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his finger, or excuse me, a ring on his hand and uh, shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the, 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 the word of God that is very plain, very powerful, and that is life-changing. And Lord, as we look at this, I ask that you would speak to our hearts and that you would encourage us, that you would help us to be more like you in everything that we say and do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, the Bible gives us truth. It does not hide truth. The Bible gives us truth. That The scriptures are written in such a way that they can be life-changing if we will let them. We can take subjects like family turmoil and we can read about them in scripture and we can grow through them and we can make life changes because of them. Earlier I talked about <clears throat> the problems between uh, in families and oftentimes they, these problems occur um, uh, uh, some, sometimes between siblings. Uh, and sometimes it is parent siblings. Sometimes it's, it's, it's spouses that are struggling. Uh, sometimes it's extended families that, that, that uh, we have issues with and so on and so forth. So the, the struggles that we can experience are very vast and, and, and they, can, uh, they can literally consume us. All family, all family problems boil down to one thing, and that is choices. Choices. Choices that we make and choices that others make. Sometimes the results of conflict or turmoil within a family is a direct result of choices that I make as a, as a father, as a husband. Sometimes it's, uh, it, it is the result of choices that somebody else in the, in the family makes. But the, the key here is this, making right choices. But when we are not the one making the, the, the choices, <clears throat> responding properly to bad choices is key to helping eliminate family turmoil. When we don't respond well, it, it only makes bad situations worse. So, number one tonight, the reason for family turmoil. The reason for family turmoil. <clears throat> Here, the youngest son makes a choice. Uh, <clears throat> his choice was the catalyst that put in motion a lot of turmoil. Now, I want to I talk about that. I want to I kind of think this through because what, what you tell me, some of the turmoil that is um, put in motion by this youngest son's decisions. Okay, dad, his dad's going to worry. Absolutely, he's going to worry. Okay, so that's one. That's one of the the the, the elements of turmoil. What what is another one? Okay, well, but but well, it would grieve the father. Yeah, so it would go to the grieving part. Anybody else? Now, if you keep reading, we find out that he's got a brother. Okay. Okay. So, so now we got to. Okay. What? What about uh, jealousy on his brother's part? You know. Uh, what? What about this? <clears throat> the workload is going to be now between two people instead of three. So it's going to put more pressure on those that have to remain. I. I. I can. I can. <clears throat> uh, uh, very easily see. Well, I, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. <clears throat> Selfishness 
and rebellion and pride are things that God hates. But what does, what does the Bible say about rebellion when, 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 a, when a person is rebellious? Now, this is, a, this is a, a child who is rebelling against a parent. It is an adult rebelling against the will of God. So what, what does the Bible say is the equivalent of rebellion? Witchcraft. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is an iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath rejected thee from being king. Now, who is, who is this talking about? Saul, King Saul. Samuel comes to, Dave, uh, to Saul and, and he tells him this. Uh, uh, Saul, at this point, he stayed on the throne, but he was, in the eyes of God, he was no longer the king. And this is, this is what started the search for, for David. But when we rebel, and when your children rebel, it is as the sin of witchcraft. Think about that for a minute. God hates rebellion. And this son, this son is demonstrating rebellion. So letter A under point number one, the reason for family turmoil, letter A, focus on self. It all started when the younger son <clears throat> started focusing on his own self. Now, I, I found out something interesting in, in my study here uh, that I didn't know in the past, but Jewish law allowed this event to take place. Um, uh, Jewish law said, in, in a nutshell, I'm sure it was a little bit more complicated than this, but in a nutshell... Jewish law said that if a father had been abusive or unfair, that a son could draw his inheritance early. Now, nowhere in Scripture do we see any justification for this young man's actions. So we have to assume that the father had done nothing wrong. Can you imagine... I cannot, I, I, I honestly cannot imagine the hurt and the disappointment of the father. The frustration of the brother. I, I, can, I can picture the, the brother you know, looking at his dad saying, Dad, it's not fair that all, the, all of the responsibility falls on me now. It's not fair. You know, here my brother's out partying and having fun and doing all these, these things, and I'm, I'm stuck here, working. I can, I can hear this conversation taking place. Turmoil is always a byproduct of selfishness. Those of you that have multiple kids know exactly what I mean when I talk about selfishness. It's an amazing thing. We're getting ready to go see the grandkids for a week. I don't think I could handle them much more than that. <laughs> I mean, I love them, but it's, it's frustrating because, you know, they're like every other kid in the world. You know, if one of them has a, the blue truck, guess what the other one wants? No, they want the blue truck. <laughs> you know? I mean, they look identical. But because the baby's holding the blue truck, they, you know, the other two want the blue truck. So there's a fight over a blue truck when there's a green and a red one sitting right there. That we bought them six for Christmas. No. Birthdays. No, there were 12. Yeah, they each got six. So there's 12. And they, and I, they, they were fighting over one. I'm like, 
But that's how we all do it, is it not? <laughs> well, that's different. <laughs> Tool, tools are different. I, that's just, you know. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, uh, 15 <clears throat> verses 1 through 5. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. I know this also, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers <clears throat> of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, traitors, heady, heady high-minded, lovers of, of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof <clears throat> from such turn away. I have bad news for you. Selfishness in the, in the family unit is just going to get worse. Because we're all sinners. And it is born in us. Selfishness is, we are born with it, yes. What do you think it means? <laughs> okay. Having, having, a, having a form of godliness where... What? Okay. <clears throat> well, it's all kind of interconnected. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's having a form of godliness. In in the Old Testament, we would call them Pharisees. Okay, okay, in human form, right? Where where? Well, um, uh, we have Pharisees today that stand in Baptist pulpits all across America called pastors that have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. In other words, they do it within their own strength. Okay. And, and our, our country has uh, a plenty of pharisaical pastors. Um, and and I, I'm, I, I've got to be careful how I say that because I, <clears throat> I don't want to come across pharisaical. <laughs> if, and yeah, and deacons and, and, and so on and so forth. So, okay. Okay. <clears throat> the reasons for family turmoil. Letter A, focus on self. Number, letter B, and this is, this is important. Rejection of authority. Rejection of authority. The youngest son rejected the structure and the authority of that God has established within the home. He never went to his father and asked for advice. He went and demanded. I have here in my notes, he knew what was best. Like all young people know what's best. And those of us that are a little older know. <laughs> you know, hey, when I was, when I was you know, young, hey, I, I had all the answers too. I just didn't know what the questions were. Now, how did that work for Rehoboam? Anybody know who Rehoboam was? Who, who was who Rehoboam? Well, yes, yes. Okay. Okay, that narrows it down. Okay. Okay. Jim? Nope. No? Rehoboam was Solomon's son. Okay? Solomon, Solomon had a son. His name was Rehoboam. And when Solomon died, Rehoboam took over the throne. And what did, what was, okay, Rehoboam had the option. The old men came to him and said, Look, your dad Solomon was a good man, but he was, the, the taxation and, he, you know, the burden that he put on us was too heavy. And we want you to lighten that burden. 
but he didn't like that advice. So what did, what did Rehoboam do? He went to his peers, the young men, and got advice from them. In First Kings chapter twelve and verse eight, and he but he forsook the counsel of the old men, which they had given him, and consulted with young men that were grown up with him, and which stood before him. Now, how, how did that turn out for Rehoboam? Not good. He lost the kingdom. Well, he lost ten tribes because of his pride and his stubbornness and his arrogance and his, his inability to, to understand that God has a structure for everything. Colossians chapter 3 and verses 18 to 18 to 20. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, what? Obey, Obey your parents. In what? All things. For this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Now, now, you know, I, I started thinking about this, and undoubtedly, somebody that's watching on the Internet, I know nobody here would say this, but pastor, you don't understand the horrible parents that I had to live with. You don't understand the home that I had. You don't understand my wife. You don't understand my husband. You don't understand. You know what? I may not understand, but God does, and he has structure. And he has, he has a way that he, he wants things done. And children are to obey their parents. Now, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Looking at this verse, does, does this have an end to it? That would be the only thing. It doesn't, it doesn't say children obey your parents as long as they're right. It doesn't say children obey your parents as long as you live under their roof. It doesn't say that. Now, now my parents are still alive, so if they try to come into my house and try to tell me what to do, that, that kind of changes things. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. But the Bible does say we need to honor our, our, our parents. Letter A, focus on self. Number Letter B, rejection of authority. Uh, letter C, he chose sin. He chose sin. Simply put, he chose to sin. That, that it, I, I don't know how else to put it. Now, I, I'm going to make a statement here. I want you to think about this statement before, <clears throat> before anybody says anything. This is a statement. Let me read it so I get it right. I believe the entire time of his exploits, he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that what he was doing was wrong. Okay, let me, let me say it again. I believe the entire time of his exploits that he knew what he was doing was wrong. <clears throat> and you might be thinking, well, how in the world could you say that? Well, it's actually pretty, pretty easy. Look at verse 17 of our passage. It says, and when he came to himself, he said, what, what do you think that phrase, when he came to himself, means? Okay, I had too many people talking. Okay, when he's honest with himself. Okay. All right. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. How many of you know this one by heart? Train up a child in, when, uh, in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will what? Not depart from it. It is a promise. It is a promise. But see, what happened? You know, many young people, especially today, want the easy way out. I want to do what is easy. I, I don't want to do the hard thing. 
and they want the easy way out. But the reality is, those of us that are older and mature know there is no easy way out. What appears to be the easy way out ends in disaster. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 9 to 11. So I was, uh, <clears throat> so I was great and increased more <clears throat> than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eye desire, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy. For, for my heart rejoice in all my labor. And this was the portion of all my labor. Now, who, who is the author of Ecclesiastes chapter 2? Solomon. The, if, if, if he were alive today, he would probably be the richest man on earth. He held back nothing. Anything he saw, he wanted, he got. Anything he heard about that he wanted, he got. He, he, was, he held back absolutely nothing. It goes on. Then I, took, then I looked on all the works of my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. And there was none... <clears throat> that uh, prophet under the sun. All that he had was this emptiness. All that wealth, all the stuff, everything was just empty and vain. You ought to do a word search <clears throat> sometime under vanity and vexation of spirit and see how many times he uses that phrase in the book of Ecclesiastes. Over and over and over. Number one, the reason for family turmoil. Number two, the cure for family turmoil. This is really the important part. What can we do when turmoil comes? Because it is coming. It is coming. First off, we must be willing to be spent we must be willing to be spent. Um, no. This is just an intro before that. 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse 14. And we must needs die and are as water spit on the ground with excuse me, spilt on the ground, <laughs> spilt on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Neither doth God respect any person, yet doth he desire means that his, uh, that his vanished be not expelled from him. But I want to look, I want to focus at the very first part of this, of this passage. Actually, one of the speakers at the conference brought this up. Uh, and in reference to being a pastor, we, we need to constantly be willing to be poured out our lives. That's, that's what pastors need to do. A good pastor is always willing to be poured out. And if you go to the Old Testament, I didn't have time to, to do all the research on it, but there is something called the drink offering. And the drink offering is is an offering that the person makes and they take it and they, they pour the drink out into the sand. What happens when you pour water in the sand? It just, it's gone. Once you pour it out, you're, you're not getting it back. And that's how we, we are to live our lives. Now, now I want you to think about this. This is the cure for family turmoil. Is being willing to be poured out. What is the danger of that? Well, there you go. You, you know, you, 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 
you're going to pour yourself out and more than likely it's going to it's going to come back to haunt you but we need to be willing to be poured out letter a the realization of sin the realization of sin let's look at verse 16 uh, excuse me verse 17 again when he came to himself the realization of what he had done hit him square between the eyes 21st century vernacular here he hit bottom he hit bottom I'm going to make another statement here that's going to be that's going to come across as harsh but I want you to get the context of what I'm saying Do you do you have a family member who is wayward Don't answer out loud but in your own thinking Do you have a family member who's wayward you need to be praying they hit bottom. I can take you to the Lovelock prison and introduce you to many, many, many of the prisoners who have told me that they are so glad that they are in prison. And you look at, I, I can't help, I look at them like, are you kidding me? And they said, no, I would rather be in prison and be right with God than still be on the streets living for myself. Why? Because they had to hit bottom. And it is better, it is better to have hit bottom and be in prison than to be free in prison. One of the men wrote me a letter, and I still I still have it. He said, I may be in prison, but I'm not a prisoner to sin. And there are times that we have to pray the hard things. We have to pour ourselves out. And we have to pray the hard things for our family members. Because ultimately, it's not the goal that a person either gets saved or gets right with God. And if that's the case, then sometimes hard things have to happen. Look at verse 16. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. Now, I, I, I I I wanted to point this out to you because there's a couple interesting things going on here the first one is says the wood fame anybody idea have any idea what that means wood fame okay what it means is to long for to desire or even to lust for okay so now that you know what that means let's read it again that he the that he would feign or lust for to have uh, filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. So he every day he was lusting for, he was looking forward to eating husk. Now, I, I don't know about you. I've eaten a lot of weird things in my life, but I don't think I've ever eaten husk the corn husk. You know, probably you have? No, he wanted to eat it not to eat that, but he was scared. Yeah, ex- and being Jewish. Exactly. And that, that's, my, that's my next point. This is a Jewish boy. What did the Jews think of pigs? They were horribly filthy animals. Oh, did he? Okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, nobody told me that. But 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 think think about it. Here this young man is lusting to eat with pigs. He had hit bottom that hard. A Jewish boy 
looking forward to dinner time with pigs. It doesn't get any lower than that. The realization of sin, letter B, the repentance of sin. The repentance of sin. Restoration cannot happen until repentance takes place. Look at verse 18. I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I, I, I appreciate what he says here. Because he understands and acknowledges that his sin is not only against his family, but against an almighty God. Psalm chapter 51, verse 4. Psalm chapter 51 was written by David shortly after his affair with Bathsheba. What did he say? Against thee and thee only have I sinned. See, David understood his sin was a sin before God before it was before men. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. See, David understood and so did this young man. He understood when he sinned against his family that he was sinning against an almighty God. The reason for family turmoil, the cure for family turmoil, and then number three, and we'll be done. The restoration of the family brings joy. The restoration of the family brings joy. Look at verse 24. For this my son was dead and is alive again, and he he was lost and is found. And when they began, and they began to be married. Restoration must always be an option for a family. And, and, and I'm, get, I'm, get, I'm getting ready to say some things here that, they, that are, are, can be difficult for some people. I understand that. But restoration has to be, always has to be a, an option on the table. Because true joy cannot take place until restoration happens. I've, I've had people tell me in reference to family members that there is no way in the world that our family will ever be able to mend fences. And I'll be honest with you, that just breaks my heart. That just breaks my heart. The father in the story, we have to be like him. We must be like him. Willing to forgive. The, the hurt that the father experienced had to be overwhelming. Yet he forgave. If you keep reading, in the story, which for time's sake we didn't, you will see that his brother wasn't so forgiving. And bitterness sinks in. Look at verse 28 of the same passage. And he was angry and would not go in Therefore came, to his, came his father out and entreated him. He begged him to come in, but the son refused. I, I, can, un, I can hear the conversation, but dad, you, how could you love him after what he did to us? How could, you, how could you do this? How could you betray me after what he did to us? I can, I can hear a multiple um, uh, options of conversations that have, could take place here. Uh, 
I'm on a I'm on a kind of stop here and take a little side a side trip here. True forgiveness is not forgiving and then keeping them at arm's length. Can you think of an example in scripture where that took place, where somebody was forgiven, but they were kept at arm's length? One of the most revered men in Jewish history is guilty of it. David. David's son, Absalom. 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse 24. And the king said, Let him turn to his own house and let him not see my face. So Absalom will return to his own house and saw not the king's face. What happened shortly after? Absalom tried to steal away the kingdom. And civil war ensued. And Absalom ended up dying. And I have read more than one theologian that believes, and and probably psychiatrists that believe, that it all goes back to the fact that David never embraced his son again. He forgave him, let him come back. But he never had a relationship with him again. And way too often we do the exact same thing. We have a sibling, a parent, a a distant family member who hurts us deeply. And we say, oh, I forgive you but we never show it. We never do like the Father did. He embraced His Son. He ran to see, He ran to, to, uh, <clears throat> to greet Him. Look at verse 20 of our passage. And He arose and came <clears throat> Uh, to his father, but when when he was yet a great way off, that 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 phrase "a great way off" has always been curious to me. The father could recognize his son way off in the distance. Chances are really good that he didn't look like his son in appearance. <laughs> Probably didn't smell like him either, seeing he'd been <laughs> eaten with pigs but he knew it was his son afar off. But when he was a great way way off, the father saw him and had what? Compassion. And he ran. He didn't just walk. He didn't just say, okay, come on. All right, I'll forgive you. you. You know, I'll let you live with the servant. No, what did he do? He had compassion on him and he ran to him. He didn't wait till his son got to him. He went to his son. That's how forgiveness is supposed to work. We are to run to forgiveness, not wait till it comes to us. And he fell on his neck and he kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against uh, thy and in thy sight. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. And the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. These are very symbolic things. We're not going to get into all that right now. Sounds like John already did. How do we forgive? Forgiveness is proactive. And one of the biggest mistakes that we make in families is we dig our heels in when somebody wrongs us. We dig our heels in and we demand that they come to us. But that's not the, the, that's not the parable that Jesus gave us. 
What happened to the brother? The brother in the story didn't forgive. And anger and bitterness took root in his heart. Now, which is of the two sins in the story? Because really there's two sins here. What are the two sins? Help me out. There's two sins in the story. Okay, not honoring your father. Well, we, let's call it selfishness. Okay, selfishness is one sin. What's the other? Well, we're going to kind of lump all that into it, huh? Anger. Okay, we have selfishness and anger. There's two sins in this story. Then, And the anger we usually kind of brush away because we understand it. And, and we can justify it in our minds. Well, he deserves to be angry, right? Is there ever a reason to be angry? God calls that sin, by the way. I'm sorry. Well, there is, but... So there's two types of sin here. Which one is the one that's forgiven? The selfishness. But the bitterness continues. And the whole time the brother was away, that, that bitterness just festered and festered and festered so that, that when the son, when, the, when his brother did come, th- there was no way in the world he was going to have anything to do with it. How sad. How sad. See, forgiveness is proactive. How do we face family turmoil? So let, let me just sum it up this way. We need to be willing to be poured out And we need to be willing to forgive. And when we do that, I promise you, it'll make you vulnerable. And there are times that it works, and there are times that it doesn't work. But we still need to be willing to do it. Let's pray.